The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Promises to be a great weekend. Listen, the whole week this week is uh, something I want to, just before I get into to, uh, talking to you about what Nate asked me to share this morning, I do want to put a, a bit of a plug in for you. The planning team that puts this together every year doesn't just ask itself, how do we make uh, this week and weekend special for alumni. They also talk about how to make it special for you as students. And while the garden party is part of that, the whole weekend there are things for you to do. There are activities and events. So many of you are making this possible. Homecoming really wouldn't be possible without students involved. And there are a lot of you that are doing something. The Teach Nine, uh, the School of Ed Teach Nine group is uh, taking care of the inflatables. We have lots of students managing the registration desk. There are uh, the event management class is helping us with a number of things. I think they're running the fishing derby this year. Uh, the Visual Arts Society is spending time with uh, body art and face painting and those kinds of things. We've got dozens of students all over the place. And then all of you who work for campus services, tech services, security, all of you will be involved. We, though, want you as students to be a part of it. It's a really special week and weekend because we're bringing alumni in here to the chapel throughout the week. There'll be guests on campus all week, but then the weekend is just a full-blown opportunity for you to be a part of the larger community. You know, every year when we welcome <clears throat> you back to Cairn or welcome you to Cairn for the first time, we, we, we talk about the fact that you're part of a community that's larger than just us, those of us who are here right now. There are decades and decades of alumni who have studied here, faculty and staff who have served here, and we all converge on this campus uh, over homecoming weekend. It's a great opportunity for you to be a part of something larger and also an opportunity for you to interact with alumni because one day that will be you. You will come back to us as alum to enjoy the homecoming weekend. You'll take part in it. You'll bring your families. You'll reconvene with your friends. You'll, you'll gather to watch the sporting events. Lots of things for you. But we want you as students uh, to be here to enjoy the weekend. And also I want to share with you there's not a homecoming that goes by that I don't have large numbers of alumni as I'm traveling throughout the year tell me that when they were on campus for homecoming they were so encouraged by their time with students. So just know that not only will you get a chance to enjoy it but you'll have an opportunity to be a blessing to everybody who's here. So we just want to make sure that you know this week and weekend is as much for you as it is for the alumni and we want you to take full advantage of it and enjoy the weekend. I think actually in addition to the Ferris wheel you have another vomit-inducing ride for everybody, right? So yeah, so, so a special ride for everybody uh, that uh, you'll enjoy a couple of new things taking place this weekend, and we want you to come be a part of it. Uh, also, the other speakers this week, uh, Dr. John Van Epp will be here on Friday from uh, the class of 1980, and Rachel Park from the class of 2010, and I think Nate pointed out to me that we have it kind of nicely, sort of we have 80s, 90s, and the early 2000s, uh, represented in chapel this week and so it's interesting that all of us uh, all the speakers this week are separated by about a decade and while the school has changed much over the last uh, several decades and particularly from decade to decade 80s to 90s to 2000s there are some things that have remained the same so I would encourage you to uh, take full advantage of the chapels to listen intently to what folks are saying to to uh, look for the recurring themes that you'll hear I'm sure you'll hear those throughout the week as well I think also it's a great indication of how the Lord orders our lives and directs our steps in His own sovereign way and in unique ways, and that's sort of what I want to share with you this morning. Uh, you'll hear this week from, uh, I'm speaking this morning, uh, in higher ed, we have a business 
major, someone who served in the corporate world coming in the middle of the week, and then someone who's been involved in counseling and psychology ministry uh, for most of his life at the end of the week. And I think it's a good example to you of how really rich uh, the, the heritage of the school is and how diverse uh, the fields of service are for our graduates, but also lots of opportunities for you to glean this week to think about your lives. And that's what I want to share with you this morning, hopefully in sharing some of my story, which is just like so many of us that are serving here as alumni, just a story of God's gracious and sovereign leading and, and care. And uh, it's really encouraging that so many of us who have graduated from the institution are here serving on the faculty and staff. And I would encourage you to ask people their stories and what their experience here was like and what they learned from it as well. And it's just uh, advantageous for me that I get the opportunity to stand up in chapel and to do that all together here this morning. Nate asked me to share, sort of uh, to start out with, how I wound up here at Cairn University, and that's a story in and of itself. And so I do want to unpack that for you because I think it's a, it's a picture of how God uh, orders our, our lives in ways that we cannot even begin to appreciate. When I arrived at Cairn University 30 years ago, I had no idea the significant role that it would play in my life and my family's life. But God did. He has a way of surprising us and opening doors we cannot see with our human eyes. And we don't know what, is, what He's going to do, but we should always know that He is at work. I promise you this. Uh, I've been asked many times, uh, did you have any idea that you would be uh, president one day? And I can tell you emphatically, no. And neither would any of my fellow students or my professors. To tell you the truth, when I think back on how I came to university, it is really a story of sort of God's sovereign hand because uh, I really can take no credit for coming here. It truly is the sovereign hand of God. You know, at the beginning of every year, if you remember, I start in convocation by encouraging you right there. If you're sitting here and you have any doubts or questions about whether you belong, you must remember the words of God's servant Job who said no purpose of his can be thwarted. That God sovereignly orders our our steps and guides us and leads us and directs us and brings things to pass in our lives that we would not choose for ourselves, that we could not make happen on our own or by our own will. His sovereign leading is something that has become more and more clear to me with every year since I arrived at Cairn University. And when I think about the fact that it's now just about 30 years ago, looking back, it's very interesting to think about what motivated me. I knew that I wanted to study the Bible. I believed that I wanted to prep for ministry and prepare for full-time Christian work. But my wife and I, we were already married at the time, were working at a Christian camp. So this is a, some, a story that you probably have heard before, but I was working at a Christian camp uh, throughout high school and stayed there after I graduated from high school. I came here a little bit older and already married. I was working at the Christian camp, running the adventure program and the horsemanship program, and Dawn showed up one summer as the nurse, and I was sick a lot that year. I am no fool, right? <laughs> Feigning illness work for King David, I thought I would give it a try. So, Dawn and I met at the Christian camp and were married there, and I knew all along through high school that I probably should go to college. I knew that, uh, that uh, all my teachers in high school thought I should go to college. I was in a college preparatory program in high school until my parents separated and... and uh, 
in, in the Lord's timing, they ended up back together, but my parents separated, and my entire life came off the tracks as a teenager. Everything that I thought I wanted to do with regard to military and law school and politics got set aside, but God in His gracious, sovereign care placed me in a Christian camp where I was discipled by someone who challenged me in my faith and in my life to look for God's sovereign leading, to seek Him out in the Scriptures, to be a student of the Bible, to attend to my faith, and that changed everything for me. But I was working at the camp and met Dawn and we were married and then decided that it was probably time for me to go to school. So after working there for about a year and a half together after we were married, we decided we were going to go off to college. And the one advantage about being married when you go off to college is you have someone to fill out your FAFSA form and your application and all of those kinds of things. But we processed everything and went off to school, but we did not come here. I transferred to this institution after a year someplace else, a very large Christian liberal arts university which shall remain nameless in southwestern Virginia. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm going to behave myself. So I'm, I'm really glad, really glad that so I, I left the camp, and, and we went to college elsewhere. And uh, I wasn't there very long when I realized that it was not what I was looking for. What I was looking for was completely different than what I found in that setting. I went there because it was a Christian school with a good reputation, with a great financial aid package even at that time. What I found when I got there was something different than what I was looking for. And so within a few weeks, to be perfectly honest, I went home and said to my wife, and I'm not casting aspersions on that institution, but for me, I came home and said to my wife, these people are not from my village. I don't think we can stay here very long. So I actually went to a faculty member at that institution and said, here's what I'm struggling with. I would like to go someplace where I had more Bible and theology than I'm getting here where I was in a, a community that was more intentional about its life together, and where I had more opportunity to interact with faculty members who could invest in me in a similar way to what I experienced in my time at the camp. And that faculty member put me on a path to thinking about how to make decisions and how to think about God's will. And instead of waiting for God to open up the skies and tell me to do something, this faculty member said, you need to be thinking about what is the wisest use of your time and resources. And based upon what you're telling me, and based upon your aversion to being captive to celebrity and your sort of uh, criticisms of something that is run by a large personality where the entire institution is shrouded in an individual's interest and agenda, you probably need to go someplace smaller, someplace more intentional, someplace more intense. And I said, well, where would that be? And he said, there's a school in southeastern Pennsylvania. And I thought, okay, well, I don't know much about the school. And then I thought about it. I thought, well, wait a second. I do know quite a bit about the school. Because several years before, when I was working at the camp, I recruited people to work for me at, at the camp from this institution. I came here and set up a table in the MAC that everybody walks around in a wide circle. You know those? <laughs> <clears throat> but we did manage to get four or five to come from here to serve at that camp. And 
I remember talking to them, and I remember, I don't know how I overlooked it at the time when we were picking schools, that they were actually explaining exactly what I was looking for. Some place that was intentional, some place that was firm, some place that made you think, some place that had a view to how the kind of person you would become, not the degree that you would earn. And everything that they described in their experience was what I was looking for, and yet when it came time for us to make a decision, we ended up someplace else. But God, in His sovereign care, put me in a context that actually helped me see that even more clearly. And Dawn and I transferred to this institution, which was very different at that time. Uh, the only buildings on campus were sort of the, the building where admissions and the offices are right now, the chapel and the administration building. There was no MAC. There were no manor dorms. Everybody lived in Pendel. And we were married students. And so we were married students who moved to the area and we commuted and so I remember thinking about how, the, how different my experience would be because the folks that I had hired to work at the camp all lived in the dorms. They had a very sort of active life. They were in degree programs. They had a lot of friends. In fact, some of them were friends with one another. They came with, but we were already married and a little bit older. And so our experience here was a little bit different. And uh, I remember thinking back and, and about the decision to go to the other large school and, and how disconnected from everything I felt and how many times I was asked my student ID number and came to a place where they never asked for my student I don't even know if I had a student ID number so I ended up here and looking around I realized that I wasn't that different there were other married students other commuters other non-traditional students mixed in and peppered throughout the student body but I came here at a different place in life so some of you uh, sitting in the room are in that position and some of you are more traditional students right out of high school the advantage to coming here as a married student is uh, we did not have that uh, sort of pressure on the social side of things uh, is that a kind way to say it I didn't have we didn't we didn't have pressure to have ring by spring because we were already done um, we weren't worried about uh, what people thought when we walked into the cafeteria with someone because we were already married um, but I did get to watch that phenomenon from a safe distance as a married student. <laughs> and I formed some interesting conclusions about the dynamics on campus. And to be perfectly honest, it shaped a lot of what we do here. Um, it's a great place to meet your spouse. It's just not where I met my spouse. It's also a great place to study without meeting your spouse. I love, I love meeting the alumni at homecoming who say, I met my wife here. This is a very special place. That's great. I love meeting alumni who said, I did not meet my wife here or my husband here. I found him in another pool that I was fishing in some years later. <laughs> right? God works that out. God works that out. If I could leave for you one thing from a, as a married commuting student watching that from a safe distance is stop being so overwhelmed and preoccupied and stressed out by it. Enjoy, and don't be crippled by that graduation date. You don't know what the Lord's going to do. At the same time, don't be foolish and miss an opportunity that's right in front of you. Right? There's never one way to do it. And so, 
as a married student who was commuting, my life was very different here. I was telling some students one time in our house sort of what our life was like. Uh, I was working multiple jobs. I actually worked for the school here. I used to set up and tear down the chapel. Uh, I used to cut the grass and run the weed eaters here. Uh, I've done a lot of different jobs around campus. I also worked for a tree trimming service in the area. And then Dawn and I, uh, because a faculty member directed us, we ended up taking uh, the sexton job, the custodian job, over at Calvary Baptist Church in Bristol. And so our life was really very different than what some of you experienced. We were uh, very busy, hard at work. Dawn was a full-time nurse in the hospital, and I was working three jobs and taking 15 to 18 hours to try to get concluded as quickly as possible to move on to graduate school. So we worked hard, but we were also very involved in church, which I found at the time to be different from my fellow students who were sort of picking and choosing church. If I had one thing that I would encourage you about is don't waste the time here by not being in church. You know, we, we dealt with years ago, and, and Mr. Kaywood and so many others of us who were here can tell you that we used to check church attendance, and you used to have to report on church attendance, and you used to have to check boxes and fill things. Actually, you used to have to share the, the gospel multiple times a week, too, at one point. We, didn't, we don't have those rules anymore doesn't mean we don't care about those things. We just expect that you will show some maturity and wisdom and choose those things. So it's important for you to be connected to the church. It's the larger body of Christ. It's great that we get together in chapel, but this isn't church. It's chapel. But in our experience, we were very involved in a local church and made friends with people who were not of our generation. And just think about this. Some of you are actually thinking about your professional lives. There's no better place to interact with professional people than in these churches. Some of you are thinking about getting married. Some of you know that when you get married, there's a good chance you're going to have kids. If you don't know that, we have some work to do. But if you get married, right, there's a good chance you're going to have a family. There's no better place to be than church to be around people who've already been down that particular path. And so church was a big part of our experience as students here. We were commuting, we were married, we were involved in the church. But the other thing was that I look back on my time and feel like I did everything I could to glean as much as I could from the faculty and staff members around me. I have to say that when I think about that, that's probably <clears throat> a very significant determining factor in our deciding to come and serve here, um, was that the faculty took a genuine interest in me as a student. Um, I expressed interest in them, they expressed interest in me. It was, a, it was a fantastic experience as a student, as a commuter. But there are some things that I wish I had done more of as a result of that. I do wish, looking back, that I had been more involved on campus. I don't think at that point I could have fit anything like an athletic schedule into my life, but I was not involved in sports like I was in high school. My community and friends, I had a few friends, most of them were crusty, grumpy pastoral studies majors, but I had a few friends on campus and made a few more, but I was not involved in the community here. And when I look back and I think, wow, if I could have participated in sports or intramurals or sung in the corral or made more friends on campus, I probably would have done that. Because when I look at your experience here and the robust opportunity that you have to be in community right here, it's a very, it's a big blessing. And I don't feel like we took full advantage of that. Nate asked me what are the things I might do less of. One of them might be that I probably would have spent uh, fewer long nights on the beach fishing during final exam week. <laughs> in the fall, I would often, Dawn would go to work for midnight shift at the hospital and I would jump in the car 
uh, and pick up my cousin in New Jersey, and we drive down and fish all night just in time for me to get here smelling a bait for my 8 o'clock class. Um, probably would have done that a little bit less. My grade point average might have been a little bit higher. There are some lessons, though, that I learned from my time here that I would want you to think about as an alum. I would like to share this with you, not as your president, but as an alum who actually has two kids who are now alum. And that is that while you're here, you should see God at work in you. You know, as a student, and I say this all the time because I think you fight this as students, I hear it from you, both at coffees or gatherings in our home or in the town halls, that we've had in the past or other groups where you struggle with um, your spiritual life to a certain degree or you struggle with how to keep the Bible from becoming just another textbook. And I hear all that, and I have to tell you that my response is the same now as it was when I joined the faculty in 1994 because this was my story. As a student, I grew in my faith and my walk with the Lord, not despite my classes, but because of them. I became a student of the Word while I was here and was taught the importance of living a life pleasing to God. I was confronted with eternal truths in a deeper way than I had ever been confronted before. And I've come to realize now that I was discipled as I was studying and earning my degree. It wasn't just marking time academically. And I can tell you that that hasn't changed. Our commitment to that hasn't changed. That is in the power of the receptor. If you don't see this as an opportunity that's set in front of you, to be challenged spiritually and to grow spiritually, you're missing something really important. And it doesn't happen despite your academics. It happens because of them. I can tell you this, that maybe, maybe one of the most powerful and moving spiritual experiences in my life was a result of a class where Dr. Master's father, who was my teacher, Dr. Master, was teaching through the book of Hebrews, and I went home to my wife and completely undone by being confronted with the reality of my own willful, intentional sin and my forfeiture of God's, of God's rest and His working in my life. It, it undid me spiritually. And all He was doing was faithfully teaching the Word. Lots of us sit in these classrooms, not just in Bible classes, but in all kinds of classes throughout the course of your week. You think you're just marking time or you think you're just ticking off assignments and earning three credits and you fail to miss what is going on right in front of you, which is God has laid before you a feast, an opportunity to be challenged. And I've come to the conclusion that, that I was being discipled, not just earning my degree. And I'm very grateful for that. So I would say to you, one of the things that I would want you to know is that you should take full advantage of your time here. For years I used to say this, that college is not a parenthesis. That this is not a parenthesis that this is your life now, this is your calling to be students at this institution, this is where God has placed you. And if this is practice, then you should practice like you play. Um, It's not a parenthesis, and I think we struggle with this in our lives all the time. You'll struggle with it even after you leave here. Too often we view certain periods of our lives, like the years we spend in college, as parentheses, breaks in the action, things that happen in the brackets. But that's a false view of life. In the Lord's leading of our lives, there are no parentheses. Only a series of manifestations of His sovereign care and His ordering of our steps. And they should be stewarded well. This is not a parentheses. This is your life. 
And you should take this as seriously and view it with as long-term implications as any other phase in your life. The other thing I'd say to you is you should take opportunity while you're here to enlarge your vision for what the Lord might have for you and keep things in perspective. You know, when we left the Christian camp, I had two things in mind. One, that I would go earn a degree and come back to the camp and start what now are all over the country, and we've done it as well in Wisconsin and elsewhere, to work in a Christian camp setting doing discipleship and education in an alternative environment or pastoring. I thought those were the two paths that were in front of me, and I was going to go to school and seek out which one of those would come into focus. Ironically, I came to this institution to prepare for that kind of ministry, and the further into my education I got, the more excited I got about the opportunities there are for biblically-minded men and women beyond Christian ministry and beyond Christian work. And so when Dr. Babb started to roll out all of these additional professional programs and pass the torch to me, that's really what's driving that vision. I remember sitting in the back of that chapel as a senior, listening to the speaker say, if you come to this institution, you will never be unemployed because there's always ministry to do. I remember sitting in the back of the room thinking, that is true. There is always ministry to do. But you won't always get paid for it. Every follower of Jesus, regardless of what vocation you set your hand to, has an obligation to serve Him in the church, society, and the world. That's what the mission statement says. I remember sitting in the back of that chapel as a senior, paying a moderate level of attention to what was going on, and thinking, we could do so much more here. There are some sitting here in this room, I was thinking as a senior in college, who could be going to law school, who should be entering the military, who should be going into law enforcement or business or education or research or medicine. Why not people who know the Word and love Jesus going into every sector of society in every corner of the world? And so when I was here as a student, my vision got enlarged, and I remember thinking back, that was not because... I had an epiphany in the back of the room. It's because I had faculty members who were doing that for me all along. We want you to enlarge your vision for what God might do. And I never would have guessed, even sitting there in the chapel, that it would have ended up in my returning here to teach and assume administrative responsibilities. When I left here and went to graduate school at Temple University, I was 10 steps ahead of everybody else. I went to this sleepy little Bible college in southeastern Pennsylvania, and I was running circles around my colleagues at Temple University. Not because I had majored in psychology, but I learned to read. You do some reading here. I learned to write. You do a little writing here. I learned to think about abstract constructs. You always think as Christians we don't deal with the abstract. Really? Divine sovereignty and human responsibility? Have a good time with that one, right? That's what we do. (laughs) And so when I got to graduate school, I found that I was really prepared for what was in front of me. I remember saying to Dawn, I think this is what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to be an evangelical in a secular academic society, a secular academic institution doing serious social system research. And then they asked me to come teach. And my colleagues at Temple said, well, you can't do that. You need to get a real job. I think this is a real job. But it was Dawn who said, it's the students. 
When I came here 30 years ago, I never would have envisioned that. <clears throat> you need to have a big view of what the Lord's going to do in your life. Bigger than what you think it might be right now. Ask your, fellow, ask your faculty members, ask the people who are serving on staff here. They will tell you stories about how God put twists and turns in front of them. You think you know now. What you should know is this, with unequivocating certainty. God is at work. And He will order your steps and guide you and lead you according to His sovereign will. You need a big perspective to watch what the Lord is doing in your life. And so that's what I think. Enlarge your vision for what God might do in your life. But keep things in perspective because there's no standard journey. I'm not kidding when I say some of you should and will meet your spouse here, and some of you will not. Some of you are struggling as undergraduates, and trust me, you will shoot the lights out in graduate school. Others of you are killing it in undergraduate, and you're going to get to graduate school and find out that was not for you. There's no standard journey. There's no one-size-fits-all. When I look out over the student body today, it's more different and more diverse and more complex and more complicated than it's ever been, and I couldn't be more thankful. Because it's a picture that God is at work across all the different kinds of lives that end up here. And what I would want for you is to be very clear about that. That God is at work and that you should steward the opportunities that He's given you and steward it well. When I was a student here, I was because I was learning to study the Bible in a more effective way and thinking about it in a different way, I had looked at Romans 12, 1 and 2 a lot in my years of being discipled and working at the camp. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I love that verse. I love the idea of sacrificing, presenting your bodies, not being conformed to the world, but having a renewed mind that's transforming you, knowing what the will of God is, specifically what is good and perfect and acceptable. But it was here that I learned to think about the context. And Paul writes this and appeals to Christians that they should give themselves over to God in view of His mercies, present themselves as living sacrifices. But it's in the context of this, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable His ways. Chapter 11, verse 34, For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been His counselor or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? And here it is, verse 36, For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. If from Him and through Him and to Him are all things, then you hold nothing back because it's not yours. It's all from Him. It's all sustained by Him. And it's all given back to Him in glory. And so because of that, you should see Him at work in your life. You should enlarge your vision for what He might do in your life. You should keep things in perspective. You should accept that God in His gracious, sovereign care has brought you here and is at work in you. And you should submit yourself to that reality. And so I was thinking this. I'll throw this at you and hopefully they'll post this on social media and you can parse it at your leisure. But I put together a series of things in light of that. If I was going to take some parting shot, give you some advice as I'm sharing with you as an alum and not just the president, I would say this. 
in light of everything I've shared, attend to your faith in Jesus. Pray often, devote yourself to Scripture, work hard, enjoy life, care for others, discipline yourself, sharpen your skills, take chances, make sacrifices, don't be foolish, don't waste time, don't be enslaved by your routine. Be confident, be humble, have standards, strive for things that will last, do good work, rest in Him and His gracious care. Take nothing for granted, take personal responsibility, don't make excuses, ask for forgiveness, forgive others freely, remember who and whose you are. Don't waste what God has done in bringing you here. If you're running from Him, stop. If you're fighting, from, fight, fighting Him, drop your weapons. <laughs> if you're afraid, cling. If you're confused, seek. God in His grace has brought you here like He brought us here 30 years ago. And He is at work. Just believe that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the way you order our lives and direct our steps. We thank you for the students that you brought here to Cairn University. We pray that you give them grace and wisdom and strength equal to the task you've set before them. Inspire them to embrace their callings as students, their calling as your servants. Strengthen them in their faith. Make them a blessing and encouragement to one another. We thank you for the men and women who have served here over the decades. We ask that you would give them the same. Father, as we move into this homecoming week, we pray that you would cause us to think about your hand at work in this institution, in the lives of our alumni, in the lives of the students who are studying here now. Father, we pray that you would enlarge our vision for what you're doing in our lives, that we would see your hand at work, and even when we cannot see it, that we would trust that you are a God who cares, loves, and works in and through us. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Have a great week.